Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Dan Harris, joined by Mike Taglier. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Taglier NFL. This episode of Fantasy Pros is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. To learn more, go to awaytravel.com slash fantasypros. Plus, order by the end of the day on December 15th to get free ground shipping with guaranteed free delivery by December 20th. That's only applicable if you live in the United States, the European Union, the United Kingdom, Canada, or Australia. Tags, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good outside of the fact that you ever get like the like a pimple on the end of your tongue? My mom taught me when I was growing up. She said that uh, she's like, if you get that, it means you lied about something. And it, and for whatever reason, it's one of those things as a kid that you kind of just believe because your mom tells you that. And uh, so now I d- I'm kind of sitting here wondering what I lied about today. Is there anything? Maybe it was that I said Jared Cook was not a good play. I guess I guess that could be considered a lie. He did leave with a concussion, though, Tags. I mean, so you nailed that part of it. I mean, <laughs> it was after two catches for uh, two touchdowns. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if having a, a quote-unquote bad fantasy call makes you a liar, then I think the vast majority of analysts <laughs> would have their tongues filled with pimples, which is a disgusting <laughs> thing. All right, Tags and I are recording this a couple of minutes later than we usually do uh, because I have been flying solo all weekend, as Tags and I were just talking about there were travel basketball games and swim lessons and needy puppies so it's all i could do to even be here at this moment but that is a good reminder that fantasy karma is real i truly believe this it sounds like a bit i legitimately believe that this is real i never complain to my wife about why she has to take like three trips a year with your friends to run marathons when we have a perfectly good treadmill in our basement. I didn't yell at the dog when he chewed through my computer cord. I didn't ground my son for a year when he bit my daughter. And you know what, Tags? I had a pretty darn good fantasy day. I mean, there were, uh, you know, a lot of injuries that went around, a lot of kind of dud performances. But uh, I mean, in the leagues I made the playoffs, I'm moving on in all of them. And I attribute it to good fantasy karma. So if you're out there and you're feeling like kind of just being an a-hole next Sunday or something like that, just be nice. Fantasy gods really do love it. That's not a a, a bit. I legitimately try to be a nicer person (laughs) when I want good things to happen in fantasy, which is pathetic on my part (laughs) and not really something that I'm proud of. But I'm telling you, it works. So go to the grocery store next week like at halftime of the early games you'll feel a lot better about yourself anyway tags let's focus up today just two weeks left we are only concerned about that in terms of going forward i'm still going to ask you for your biggest winner and your loser but we are going to skip the what's your problem man because our rest of season rankings to the extent they diverge it really doesn't matter there's two weeks left at this point that's all we care about so let's just start us off with your winner and loser and then we will jump into the games I'll give my biggest winner would be Raheem Mostert, uh, somebody that we were worried about it being a one-week sample size and not knowing what to expect with Matt Breida coming back and all three running backs active, you know, with Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida and him, and uh, he shined, and he did it again. So it's like, you know, going into weeks 15 and 16, I think you could play him with confidence as that RB3 in your lineup, maybe even something more than that, uh, considering the matchups, but he's definitely a winner, and the loser, it's going to be a co-award for me. It's going to be his teammate, Tevin Coleman, who is now in the doghouse and basically irrelevant. I think he's droppable in fantasy leagues because even if there's an injury in front of him he's not it's not like he was producing with Matt Breida out of the lineup so I think he's droppable at this point uh the co-loser here is Sony Michelle he's someone that I I was I was willing to kind of trade for in, in some leagues and say okay if I make it to the playoffs I, I feel like he's going to be an asset but um wow I mean I I really don't understand what New England was doing in this game 
just because it's like if you if you look at what the Chiefs have done in terms of like on defense, they've been really good against perimeter wide receivers. It made sense to attack the slot, which is why we've seen Edelman have a big game. But you run the ball against them. I don't know why Bill Belichick decided to have Tom Brady continually drop back and and look terrible for the majority of the game uh, and not give. I know Sony Michelle only finished with eight yards on five carries, but still you have to establish the run a little bit. So Sony Michelle, I I don't. <laughs> they have matchups with the Bengals and the Bills over the final two weeks of the fantasy season. But, I mean, if you got through this week somehow magically, which is possible with all the injuries, do you trust him next week? It's the Bengals, I believe, next week and then the Bills in week 16. So would you trust him next week against the Bengals? I mean, that's where I'm at. It, it, it's really tough. Well, maybe because they were down, obviously, in this game for, for almost the entire thing. You know, part of the other big thing is that, in addition to the fact that Michelle did absolutely nothing, he did only see the five carries when Rex Burkhead saw seven and James White saw six. Now, perhaps it's all because they were essentially in that mode where they needed the pass catching back in there, but that's certainly something that makes you worried. If you're in the playoffs and you advanced with Sony Michelle on your team, then you frankly should just <laughs> sit back and put your feet up because you're an amazing fantasy manager. And Tags and I are both extremely proud of you. Let's focus on San Francisco for a second. So, look, here's the deal. Most are monster day 10 carries 69 yards with the touchdown two catches on two targets for 40 yards and the touchdown Matt Breida was involved but he had just seven touches Tevin Coleman as you said non-existent I agree you stole my thunder Tevin Coleman certainly is droppable at this point but look Mostert has the huge performance but it's still just 12 touches here I mean you you kind of tempered your your you know you didn't go crazy you weren't like reliable RB2 he was more of like the RB3 they've got the Falcons and the Rams but he is somebody who you're starting but I'm inclined to agree with you this is not a guy who you're like oh great I'm starting him over a guy who I feel like has been a quasi-reliable RB2 generally speaking right he's still more in that RB3 or flex situation right yeah you're still not starting over guys like maybe like a David Montgomery or a Joe Mixon guys that are locked into they're basically getting 18 touches week uh, and you can't guarantee that for Mostert but we also have to remember this this was a really tough matchup I didn't really want to start Mostert if I didn't have to this week because there were a lot of a lot of variables that went into it but um, knowing that he did perform against the Saints which is arguably the toughest matchup in the NFL for running backs I, uh, he's definitely gained a lot of confidence and you're going to put him in the, in the territory with guys like you're going to be starting ahead of guys like Kareem Hunt, uh, probably ahead of guys like Austin Eckler, which might be a mistake, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the conversation that he's in, right? With guys like Austin Eckler in that high end RB three range, most likely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm in a league tags about a lot of sharp guys. It's worth a lot of jelly beans and nobody picked up Mostert this week who were still in the playoffs because we were all sort of, nobody was willing to start him. This week, if you're made the playoffs in these leagues, everybody feels generally pretty confident that you're going to do. And frankly, look, we are very deep in running back. But part of my thought was it's really difficult to see a scenario where suddenly there's one guy who you want and it's going to be Mostert. I get how good he looked. But with Burita coming back, it this situation seemed to me against the Saints. You weren't going to start him this week, of course. It seemed unlikely, you know what I mean, to develop into a well. Now, look how well he did in this really tough matchup. Now you got to think about picking him up. But certainly, to the extent anybody has remaining fab, he's going to go for a lot. And he should. He's a guy who you can plug in to start next week. All right, we are going to get into the games here. But before we get into it, I want to talk about one of our sponsors, Manscaped, the number one option for men's below-the-belt grooming. So, I mean, we try to look our best everywhere. And even though we don't talk about it all that much, we all take care of ourselves below the belt. You don't need to hide it. Everybody knows. Now, the thing is, that is a delicate area. You have to be very careful down there. I have told you about Manscaped before, and I've given you a cautionary tale about my old college roommate who I called Skippy. Now, Skippy apparently listens to this podcast. He emailed me after he heard that episode, and he was not particularly happy 
that I shared his tale of woe with more than 100,000 listeners. I, I used a fake name. I don't know what more he wants, but he wasn't very kind in that email. So I'm just going to tell his story again because it's precisely why you need to go to manscaped.com and get their perfect package 2.0. Back in college, I was roommates with Skippy and a couple of other guys, and Skippy was one of these guys who took great pride in his looks, took forever to get ready to go out, and one day we're all waiting for Skippy to get out of the bathroom so we can head to the bar, and we hear this loud scream from upstairs, and we rush up, and Skip tells us just to go out without him. He's fine. And look, he's weird. A random scream from a bathroom is weird, but he's Skippy, so we're just like, okay, who the heck knows? Maybe he dropped his favorite, like, comb down the toilet or something. But the next day, Skippy's girlfriend was over, and she was not shy. She spilled the beans. He was trimming himself down below the belt, and he had himself a little accident. Now, Skippy's story is not unique. It unfortunately happens to guys everywhere all the time, and it's exactly why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology so you can avoid following in Skippy's footsteps. It is even waterproof so you can use it in the shower. Now, the Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside Manscaped's Perfect Package 2.0, which is the perfect gift for the holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. With the Perfect Package 2.0, you not only get the Lawnmower 2.0, but you also get the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, as well as anti-chafing performance boxer briefs, and the Crop Reviver, which along with the Crop Preserver keeps your balls perfectly fresh. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 is the perfect gift this holiday season, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS at manscaped.com. All right, Tags, let's start with Thursday here. Your Bears, 31, the Cowboys, 24. Look, Mitchell Trubisky, I don't know, you know, where he was the first half of the season, but impressive again, accounts for four touchdowns, three passing, and one rushing. Dave Montgomery, solid, 20 for 86. Allen Robinson scores his two touchdowns. He's been a beast. But let's talk about Anthony Miller again. We've touched on him before. Only four targets here, three catches, 42 yards. Not great. He does find the end zone, though, so... Week 12 against the Giants, 6 for 77. Week 13 against the Lions, 9 catches for 140. Now week 14 against the Cowboys, 4 catches, 42, and a touchdown. It's probably contingent on Taylor Gabriel continuing to be out, but assuming that he is, and assuming that you're in need of a wide receiver, can you start him with the Packers and the Chiefs on tap in your fantasy playoffs? Uh, the Packers, no. Uh, Tremont Williams has been really good in the slot for them. Uh, it's not a matchup that you really want to target with a receiver that, uh, Anthony Miller, I think there's five games this year where he's seen seven or more targets, but every other game it's been, uh, I think four or less targets. So it's very like hit or miss with him. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has, he did struggle against Green Bay in, in the first game of the season. Miller was coming off the injury in the preseason for that one. So th- he's probably going to be labeled as somewhat of a low end wide receiver four for me, uh, going into this week. I, I know that there's like a, a lot of buzz around him but I'm, I am expecting Taylor Gabriel to come back from his concussion this week uh, Allen Robbins should see tons of targets because Green Bay is, is a matchup where you kind of target the perimeter and Miller's not playing many of his snaps at all there so uh, I'm not I'm not going to be particularly high on him this week but against the Chiefs in week 16 uh, if you want to hang on to him I believe he'll have more appeal in that matchup yeah, wide receiver four is exactly where I'm going to have him ranked coming into next week. I mean, this has been good to see. I like Miller a lot. I like his talent. He's got the occasional dropsies that kind of bug you a little bit, but he's talented. And again, look, that first matchup with the Packers, he, if I recall, he barely played, didn't he? I mean, I know he was coming off the injury, as you mentioned, but I remember, you know, Cohen ran all those snaps out of the slot there. So, you know, I, I think Miller's, you know, 
I like him. I think there I can certainly see a scenario where you're starting him in the playoffs, but you've really got to be wide receiver needy. I wouldn't get all overly excited about the last three games other than I, I think it puts him in the range, as you said, of those guys who you can start if you really essentially need to. Again, a wide receiver four is a guy that a lot of playoff teams are still going to need to start. You're in a three wide receiver league. You might be needy at that final position, but he's certainly not a guy who I'm overly excited about, at least not in next week's matchup. For the Cowboys, it's not overly pretty, but those who you need to score fantasy points do so. Dak throws for 334 yards in the score. Zeke totals 93 total yards, two scores. Michael Gallup comes through with six for 109. Mark Cooper, man, he looks real gimpy out there, but he's getting it done in the end. Six for 83 plus a touchdown. Are you still starting all your relevant Cowboys against the Rams and the Eagles for the next two weeks? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Rams handle Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup because if they stick Jalen Ramsey on Cooper, then they're going to deal with Troy Hill on Michael Gallup, and it's and it's an ongoing thing. And I think that's why you see teams like the Cowboys, teams like the the Falcons, spending uh, draft equity on guys like Calvin Ridley and Michael Gallup because they're they're guys that can walk in and kind of contribute. Uh, like they can they they almost force the opponent to in, into a tough spot because it's it's very rare that a team has two shutdown cornerbacks in the roster. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But yes, yeah, so you're starting Cooper anytime you can and you know that Gallup's not going to see the number one corner and he's seen at least six targets in all but one game this year so he's like a must start he's probably one of the better number two fantasy wide receivers in football in terms of like number two on his team so I'm gonna I would say that he's a top 30 wide receiver uh, even in the tough matchup next week uh, against the Rams I wanted to tell a quick story, a personal story. I was at that game, and it was probably the best game that I could have gone to as a Bears fan this year. Uh, Nagy called a good game. Trubisky called a good game. But I, I wanted to give a shout-out to this little dude that was sitting next to me. I didn't. He has no idea that I do this podcast or anything like that. He's like 13 years old, and I'm talking to him throughout the game. He's a Cowboys fan. And uh, once the Bears got up, and he's just like, oh, no. But he was he was really good like in spirit about it. And I told him, I'm like, I'm rooting for Cooper right now, man. Like The Bears are going to win, and that's fine. But I want Amari to do some work, okay? Can we talk? Can we like, celebrate that? So him and I were celebrating over an Amari Cooper touchdown. So uh, me and a cow, me and this uh, teenage Cowboys fan. If if you do listen to this show, obviously now you know that story. I love it. I realize it's like a small little anecdote and everything like that, but I love things like that. Uh, you know, especially with little kids. You know, my son is six. He gets crazy excited uh, at at football games. When we went to the Titans Jets game uh, a couple of years ago, there was a great Titans fan who was you know kind of throwing him some some love there. You know, even though. The Jets are terrible, as they always were, and it, he really loved it. So that's a great story, Tags. Way to be. Way, way to put—I mean, to be fair, you love Amari Cooper, so you were really rooting for him for your own personal gain. But <laughs> I, I love that we could sort of spin that into being like, look at you, Tags, bringing sports together. I love it, but, you know, Try I guess it, we, all, we all really know what you're about. All right, <laughs> let's move on here to the Packers 20, Redskins 15. Aaron Jones, the big day here, 192 total yards with the score. Nobody else really does anything. Rodgers just 195 yards passing. And a touchdown, Devontae Adams held to just 41 yards. Jamal Williams only 24 yards. Tags, I'm not really sure we're doing anything with this game. You've got the Bears and the Vikings coming up. You're still starting Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams each week. You're starting Aaron Rodgers most weeks. I assume you're, I mean, it's it's not the greatest matchups. It's not the worst, but I assume you're still starting him. Probably not Jamal Williams, only if you're desperate. Any disagreement on that or anything to add as to what you're doing with your Packers in these next two matchups? Yeah, Jamal Williams is a little bit worrisome. Uh, he's someone that popped up on the injury report this week. They've been talking about Aaron Jones getting the ball more. So I don't know if I'd necessarily say that he's a must start every single week. He's more in that like uh, that that territory where it's like you put the Matt Breedas and the Tevin Coleman's like typically 
typically, you know, in that low end RB3, high end RB4. His role seems to have diminished in the passing game because he only sees one target in this game. Aaron Jones has seven. And again, that's something they've been talking about. So you're still starting Aaron Jones, obviously. Aaron Rodgers is an interesting one, like to try and figure out because this, this might be like the worst 10 and three team I've ever seen in terms of like what they do. Like they just barely beat a, a, a bottom of the barrel team in, in, the, in the Washington Redskins. It's, it, it's almost like the Packers refuse to keep their foot on the throttle this year. And I, I think that's going to be a mistake by Matt LaFleur. I mean, I, I don't know if, if it's just struggling to, to get drives put together, uh, or if it's just, yeah, lackadaisical play calling, but it's it's almost like they they take a lead and they want to sit on it and they don't do anything to like stomp an opponent to give that offense that that confidence they need uh, going into the playoffs because you're going to need to put up some points to hang with these teams. Like we've seen the 49ers, we've seen uh, the Saints go at it today, and I mean we they need to have Aaron Rodgers featured more. It, it it's simple. I thought this would be a game where they could just kind of build those spirits going into two tough divisional matchups with the Bears and the Vikings, but they didn't. They just sat on the lead and it, it's. It's been an ongoing thing. Aaron Rodgers has been outside the top 20 fantasy quarterbacks more than he's been inside the top 10. Uh, so this offense is really limiting, but you can't sit him because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. And he has thrown, uh, I've already started researching this game. Uh, he's already thrown, te- he's thrown 10 passing touchdowns against the Bears in the last three games at Lambeau Field. So he's done well against them at home. Yeah. And, you know, again, what was that game tags? Who was he? Was it the Raiders where he threw six touchdown uh-huh. passes or something like that? Right. And everybody was kind of like, oh, I don't really know if you start him. And against the Giants, again, he, he had that huge day. So I agree. If you own Rodgers anyway, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league, you're obviously starting him. And if you're in a one quarterback league and you've made it this far with Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to the waiver wire at this point, regardless. But either way, that is why you continue to start him. And yeah, I don't think you can start Jamal Williams, you know, really under any circumstances. I think when you've got guys like Mostert who are out there, you know, Patrick Laird, who we'll talk about a little bit later, I really think Williams at this point, you know, regardless of his performance right now, kind of slips to the back of that. Hey, Dan, real quick, before we move on, I just want to ask you, as like one of the best rankers, so if you guys don't know, Dan Harris has been killing it in the rankings this year. Like, he's top 10 continually. He's always up there. What are you overall right now? Maybe eighth. Let's go eighth. That's still, that's legit, right? So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Oh, boy. Aaron Rodgers next week. Let's pretend someone has Rodgers, okay? And they also are able to grab Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill is at home next week against the Houston Texans, the team that we just saw Drew Locke completely tear to shreds. Would you play Ryan Tannehill over Aaron Rodgers next week? All right, so I'm not going to make my call just yet. I'm going to weasel out of it, but I, my guess, uh, here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. My guess is there are going there's going to be less than two spots between them one way or another. Okay, I mean I think this is what and look I I told you about this a couple of weeks ago about when I had Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill in a two quarterback league and I was thinking of dishing Murray. I tried, I couldn't, but I started Tannehill today and and that's sort of what you need to be thinking. I don't really I'm not all that concerned about it. You know, probably before this past game I would have said that. I'm buying Houston secondary a little bit more lately. They obviously didn't look quite as good today, so I'm a little more bullish on Tannehill than I otherwise would be. But I, I would say probably right now, gun to my head, I'd probably still start Aaron Rodgers because you put it so succinctly. He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like you just, it's very hard not to start him. But I do think that it's going to be one of these things where when I run my projections and I do my rankings, they're going to be like right next to each other. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. But that is the range. And, you know, but again, you own Rodgers. I'm probably starting Aaron Rodgers is how I'd probably go. <laughs> On the other side, Darius Geis injures his knee here after five pretty good-looking carries. It sounds like an MCL sprain, so I doubt you're going to see him next week. Adrian Peterson sees 20 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. Look, the Eagles are a tough matchup. The Giants aren't quite 
as easy as they used to be. They've been better against the run over the past few weeks. So can Adrian Peterson, assuming that guys is out, which I think is a fair assumption, can Adrian Peterson be a guy who is a significant factor in the fantasy playoffs? No, I'm not playing Peterson. I think we're we're both there. If you're against the Eagles, who have a great run defense, you're not starting Adrian Peterson against the Giants. They are not. Don't look at their season long numbers. They've been better, whether or not it's the you know addition of uh, Leonard Williams, whether it's causation or correlation. But they're certainly been better as of late. But he is a guy who you could start there, and especially I mean, 20 carries. The Redskins are just basically looking to run out the rest of the season. So I do like that that they're going to continue to pound the ball. I will note that Terry McLaurin goes for 57 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was ridiculous. Eve talked about him a million times i am not starting him with Dwayne haskins i'm sure tags would be a little more willing to trust him if he absolutely had to but for me i'd, I'd rather watch the uh touchdowns from afar and uh, be <laughs> happy for the guy and not have to worry about watching Dwayne haskins overthrow him constantly vikings 20 lions 7 still no adam thielen here the vikings really don't need to do all that much on offense kirk cousins just 242 passing yards and a touchdown to bc johnson stefan Diggs bounces back here with six catches for 92 yards but the running backs here, you know, there was the question about Cook. So he goes 18 for 62 and a score, plus two catches for 13 yards. Alexander Madison, 14 carries for 46 yards, plus two catches for 18 yards. So is this just a, a big lead here and it's his first game back off the injury? Or do you think that Madison is going to carve out this closer to 50-50 touch roll here uh, against the Chargers and the Packers going forward? <sighs> this this is a situation where it's like why put our lead running back at risk you know uh coming off because he apparently was dealing with that injury more than just last week he didn't just suffer it last week it's something that he's been trying to play through uh but knowing that they removed him off the injury report altogether it made me feel better about him uh and getting 20 touches that's not a low amount uh but again this game was far out of reach uh, Dalvin Cook isn't he's going to be considered a top 6 running back for me for the remainder of the season uh the Chargers aren't a team that I don't think they'll necessarily blow out, but at the same time, the way that you move the ball against the Chargers has been on the ground. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing really to worry about here with Cook. I think Madison's still a must-own. Like, he should not be dropped, even if, obviously, Cook seems fine health-wise, but do not drop Alexander Madison. And the Lions, like, it's nice to see Kenny Galladay find the end zone here. Six catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. This was all late. The game was over for pretty much the entire game. Is it fair to say, Tags, that Galladay is the only player on the Lions that you can start against the Bucks and the Broncos? Uh, the Bucks, I, I might feel confident starting Jones. <laughs> uh, the Broncos... I don't even know if I feel confident starting any of them. Ugh, Blau is going to be under a lot of pressure in that game. Uh, I don't think Stafford's coming back. I mean, it makes absolutely zero sense for him to come back at this point. But Galladay and Jones should be on the radar absolutely against Tampa Bay. I mean, anybody. We, we, we saw the Colts that were down to, like, literally third-string wide receivers put up some numbers against them today. Yeah, you start wide receivers against the, the Colts if you can help it, and uh, or against the Bucks if you can help it. And I mean, Marvin Jones still saw seven targets, Galladay eight targets. Bo Scarborough's not gonna not gonna do anything on the ground against Tampa Bay. So yeah, I, I think they're both gonna be starts next week. I mean I will say the one thing about Scarborough is look, a guy who's basically getting nineteen to twenty two touches a week, even though he doesn't he does it all on the ground, he doesn't do anything in the passing game. It's worth something. I mean, you can throw him out there if you're absolutely necessary. Obviously, the Bucks are about the worst matchup that you can possibly have for any sort of uh, running back. All right, Tags, Falcons 40, Panthers 20. Tags, I, I didn't see when Calvin Ridley left the game. It's just stomach pain. Did he Was he, like, sick, or did he get injured in his abdomen? Do you have any details on this? I, I'm guessing it's, like, cramps or something like that. I haven't heard anything, like, severe about it, and, like, I haven't seen the headlines pop up, so I'm assuming that he's going to be fine. All right, so that's what I was assuming, too. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Let's assume he had some bad pizza and he's going to be fine next <laughs> week. He catches all five of his targets for 76 yards on the score. He continues to produce 
week in and week out, which is great to see. Devonta Freeman and Brian Hill both run well here. First time running backs run well for the Falcons. Obviously, it's a great matchup, and they both find the end zone. Julio Jones, just 66 yards, but at least he's out there. Matt Ryan, 313 yards passing and two touchdowns. I'm not sure there's all that much to say with this game here, Tags. Does anyone's value move significantly at all from this game? Not really. I mean, Hooper's, he's the biggest disappointment of the group. I mean, he sees six targets, 32 yards against the Panthers. The Panthers coming into this game, by the way, had allowed the most yards per target to tight ends, even more than the Cardinals. So it was, it was a great matchup and it's, it's disappointing to see him finish so low. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's just like coming off the injury. Maybe he's not quite a hundred percent. Uh, now going into the matchup with the 49ers, I think I, I'm pretty sure that's who they play in week 15. Yeah, that's a brutal matchup. Um, I mean, I, I understand what the Saints just did, uh, against them and this defense like Richard Sherman was in and out of the lineup all day and and the 49ers like in terms of their sack rate it was going to fall like they bring pressure but the sack rate was like much higher than it probably should have been over the first 10 weeks and we're starting to see them come back down to earth a little bit kind of like we are with the Patriots these teams are going to do that but Matt Ryan's continually been under pressure this year and that offensive line is not built to withstand the pass rush there I don't really want to say that I move anybody up or down uh, I mean Hooper it, it might worry me a little bit. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring him down a notch. Maybe he's not in that elite tier if he's still working through that, uh, especially with that tough matchup coming up against the 49ers. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that this team is gonna is going into such a tough matchup. Yeah, I mean, you know, to the extent there is any remotely silver lining for the Falcons' offense going in, it's that I mean, the 49ers they got pretty beat up today on defense. I mean, you mentioned Richard Sherman. He was battling the hamstring injury. D. Ford had the hamstring injury. Uh, Williams left with a concussion. I mean, they may be seriously down next week. So that, that could make the matchup not quite as bad. And again, as the Saints showed today, although you don't really want to read too much into Drew Brees at home and what he's able to do, you can certainly have success against them. But I agree. Nothing really changes for me here. I mean, Hooper is a really tough, you know, you want to throw him right back in your lineup. Certainly disappointment. But he is someone who, you know, again, with the wasteland that is tight end, it's really hard to own Austin Hooper, have survived this week, and then be like, nah, I'm done with him. Let's move on to the Panthers here. Production from the usual suspects. Christian McCaffrey, 135 total yards. DJ Moore, four catches for 81 yards. Ian Thomas steps up as expected without Greg Olson. Sees 10 targets, five catches for 57 yards. Curtis Samuel held in check a little bit, just 42 total yards. They've got the Seahawks and the Colts on deck. I'll, same thing as I said with the Falcons tag. Is this game moving the needle on any of these players here? Ian Thomas was someone I really did want to like this week, and I'm really mad because uh, one of their coaches came out and said it was going to be a timeshare tight end, that not one of them is going to just fill that Greg Olson role. So I, I moved Ian Thomas down in my rankings, which really ticks me off because I had him all the way up at tight end 10, and then I ended up moving him down to like tight end 18 or something like that. Um, so that's a little disappointing. I don't really think I move anybody because Curtis Samuel was someone that I've already been worried about just because Kyle Allen can't throw the deep ball. DJ Moore targets dip a little bit in this game, but... uh no, I don't, I'm not really moving anybody like significantly. Uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey's an every week start. He catches 11 passes here, but, um, th my worry here is that the, the Panthers are heading towards obviously the off season. They know that they're not going anywhere this year. Do they start resting McCaffrey because they have nothing to play for? Do they stop giving him, you know, those 20 plus opportunity games and start involving some other players? Like, do you think that's a possibility with the Panthers down the stretch? Did they do it last year? Week 17, they did. Week 17, they only let him play one series, and then they then they put him on the bench. Yeah, I think that I would probably... I mean, it's different coaching staff now, of course. Obviously, a different head coach, um, but I would expect kind of the same thing here. I think this is just what they do, man. You know, and McCaffrey's a beast. I, I would probably look to, to hold him down a little bit just to protect him. 
but doesn't seem like that's what they're going to do. So if you own McCaffrey, I mean, there's nothing you can do. Obviously, there's no trade deadlines at this point. You're obviously starting him. But if I were, I know I, I still feel pretty confident. I think if you play into week 17, maybe then. But in that, I think you're pretty good to go. Before we keep going, let's talk about Away. Now, I spoke to you about Away several weeks ago. Tags had just gotten his carry-on bag. I was waiting for mine, and Tags was effusive in his praise. I got mine a few days later, and if anything, I can say that Tags undersold this thing. I would slowly walk you through each of the features on my bag right now as I'm looking at it, but I can't because I don't have it with me because my wife stole it and took it with her on her weekend trip that I mentioned on the top of the show. Away does not make suitcases, guys. They make like little mini hotels on wheels. The suitcases are affordable, high quality, and they charge your phone. You can get it in a variety of colors and four sizes, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium or the large. And the carry-on bags have two USB ports and a high-capacity battery, so you can charge both your phone and your iPad or your Apple Watch and your son's Nintendo Switch. It's brilliant. It's ultra durable and yet lightweight. It's got four 360-degree spinner wheels that will not get stuck or break. It's got a combination lock built in. There's free shipping, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. Legitimately, it's life-changing for travel. And now is really the time to check out Away because traveling during the holidays can be crazy, but getting away can make every trip a lot more seamless. To learn more, go to awaytravel.com slash fantasy pros, plus order by the end of the day on December 15th to get free ground shipping with guaranteed free delivery by December 20th, so long as you live in the United States or Europe or uh, England or Canada or Australia. For additional last-minute holiday shipping details, check out the Away website. Again, that's awaytravel.com slash fantasy pros. All right, Tags, let's get back into the games here. 49ers 48, Saints 46. Now, I personally had the 49ers getting the two and a half points, which is nice, but I also had the under, so I missed a little bit on that one. Two really, really tough defenses, and yet points aplenty. So let's hit some of the high points. Jimmy Garoppolo throws for 349 yards and four touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders Nine targets, seven catches, 157 yards. George Kittle finds the end zone with 67 yards. Debo Samuel goes for 76 yards. We've already broken down the running backs here. Anything here on the, you know, the passing game for the 49ers? Uh, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I liked him a lot this week. Uh, he's one of the guys that I really hit on, and he's one of those guys that I told Bobby is, you know, like when you submit your rankings and you have a, are you sure you want to do this, you idiot? <laughs> yes. uh, moments. I had that with Emmanuel Sanders because I had him at like wide receiver twenty two or wide receiver twenty three, and uh, I feel I feel like people were undervaluing him because they were worried about the rib injury, but he played a full complement of snaps against the Ravens the prior week and the Saints. You just don't run the ball against. So uh, I really did like Sanders. I didn't know this would happen, but him and Debo Samuel are clear. Clearly balling out. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has played much better as of late, and these guys are doing work after the catch. So uh, I think that they're turning into every week starts at this point. I don't, especially knowing that the 49ers are throwing the ball a lot more because once they did get Emmanuel Sanders in the roster and they got Debo Samuel back in like in, into the offense in a full time role. In George Kittle in the offense, it seems like they're, they're slowly transitioning into a more balanced attack, whereas at the beginning of the year, it was nonstop running the ball. Like, there was a, there was a stat I had, uh, it was a few weeks ago, like before they started passing the ball a lot, and it was that their running backs had totaled at least like 33 touches in like every single game. It was like the first eight or nine games they touched the ball at least 33 times, which is just like, mind-blowing that stuff doesn't happen uh but they're transitioning into more of a balanced attack and their defense is starting to allow a little bit more production so i, I kind of think that's the point now where you kind of have to start debo samuel and emmanuel sanders 
Yeah, that's what what I really want to ask. I mean, I feel like if you own Emmanuel Sanders, you've had, you know, mostly a tough few weeks. But to the extent he's out there, you're going to start him. But I was going to ask whether Samuel, is he at this point essentially a wide receiver three and you start him? I mean, they've got the Falcons and the Rams. Is he a starter in both those matchups? Just don't think about it if you're in three wide receiver leagues. He's in your lineup. The Falcons, 100%, yes. Um, you don't, yeah, you're, you're playing against the Falcons. Uh, and then against the Rams, it's not really a bad matchup either because, again, you're forcing the Rams to choose what they're going to do with Jalen Ramsey. And if there's anyone that he's going to shadow, it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, but there's still production to be had. So, yeah, I do think that he's going to be in, like, that low-end wide receiver three territory. All right, let's move on to the Saints here. Drew Brees, incredible five Throw passing touchdowns. He rushes for one, 349 yards passing. Michael Thomas, his usual dominant self. We mentioned Jared Cook already. Two early touchdowns. He leaves with a concussion. Other touchdowns go to Traquan Smith and Josh Hill. But let's talk about Alvin Kamara here, Tags. I mean, you and I have both been like, oh, it's, I mean, you got to throw him out there. Obviously, there's going to be this boom game. 13 for 25 on the ground, four catches for 18 yards in a game where they scored 46 points here. So he loses a fumble. Latavius Murray runs much better. Tags, this is a crazy question I'm going to ask. I know what your answer is going to be. But if you survived with Alvin Kamara on your team, is he still a must start against the Colts and the Titans going forward? Yes, you still start Alvin Kamara. Uh, you know, someone asked me earlier today whether or not it was like the scheme or what was going on with him was the offensive line. And it did hurt, you know, losing Max Unger this offseason, their center. That obviously it was it was a blow to the offense for sure. Um, but Alvin Kamara looks fine in this game. He didn't look as stellar, but I've watched. I mean, I, I go back and rewatch these games. So I'll watch this one again. There was so much stuff going on in this game. Uh, it was hard to keep up, to be honest. But Kamara has looked generally fine throughout the entire season. It's just been the touchdowns uh, that he's been lacking in. I'm not worried about him. I'm really not. And the Colts with that zone scheme, you're going to see a lot of dump downs to him uh, in that matchup. And they use him in the passing game a lot more than Latavius Murray. So I'm not really worried about it. No, I'm I'm going to start him. I'm going to I'm going to rank him as a top 12 running back and we're going to keep moving. Okay. Browns 27, Bengals 19. Pretty disappointing game overall here for the Browns. Mayfield scores the rushing touchdown but just 192 yards and two touchdowns. Cream Hunt total 68 yards on the score. Nick Chubb rushes for 106 yards. Jarvis Landry 76 yards. But tags. Odell Beckham apparently has been dealing with a hernia, just five targets, two catches. 39 yards tags you have been the biggest Odell Beckham Jr. sort of everything's fine he's going to have these matchups he's going to dominate Arizona is up next it's another soft matchup overall are you still starting Odell Beckham Jr. if you own him and survived in your playoffs yeah (laughs) I mean I've kind of like just like accepted the fact that he's just not very good this year but at the same time his fantasy floor has been better than some people make it out to be uh he's still a top 30 fantasy wide receiver despite not living up to expectations that's really where like where everything comes in you have to understand the expectations are what makes him a bust and he absolutely has been a fun like a massive bust because when you draft wide receivers in the top two rounds those are guys that if they're healthy they're producing you know they're getting targets they're producing he has not been that guy but he has offered a fantasy floor it's been a little lesser than than someone like Devonte Parker, but it's still like he's still an every week start. And going into a matchup with Arizona, a, a team that just allowed Deontay Johnson to get back on the fantasy map with 60 yards and a touchdown, I'm gonna play him, and I'm gonna understand that it's it just not it's not what I expected him to be. But if you just dial back expectations and say he's a wide receiver three, if you kind of treat him like someone like maybe. Maybe like a Tyler Boyd, you know, like you just have to understand that. I mean, just just think about what Tyler Lockett, what his owners feel like. They're still starting him, right? He hasn't performed in like a month, but you do it because you understand the talent level and especially in a matchup against Arizona, you play him. 
So I, I'm going to give fantasy owners, not that they need my permission to do anything, but I'm going to give them the permission to uh, bench him next week against the Cardinals if they want to. In other words, I don't think you need to look at Odell Beckham Jr. anymore and say, this is Odell Beckham. I have to start him. There's really nothing I can do about it. He's playing. I'm starting him. Look, I own him and Tyler Boyd, oddly enough, in a league where I have a buy and I'm going into next week. And I have not really looked to try to swap them in or out for a guy who plays the matchups because I do think that it's just kind of at that point where you do kind of trust him. In that situation, yeah, the way you described it, Tags, you're looking at Beckham essentially like a wide receiver three, a guy with he's got the upside, but there's going to be games that are just sort of like this, two for 39. But in the end, yeah, I'm not saying he's a must bench. I'm sort of with you at least because it sounds like what you're saying is, look, he's a guy who if you own him, uh, you know, unless you have a strong sort of wide receiving group, you probably don't have three wide receivers who you like better than Beckham or who you have any more faith are going to put up big numbers than Beckham. So I I think you and I are kind of right in line in terms of how we're viewing him. But I do want to say, do not be a slave to the name at this point. You know what I mean? You've got to at some point, especially if it's it's week 15, there's two weeks left. I think you got to do whatever you got to do at this point. But for me, look, I agree to the extent wide receiver three territory and you hope for the big game. But obviously, now that you know that he's dealing with the injury, it's a little, you know, my expectations. I kind of thought there would be a big game coming in this one. thought there'd be a big game next week. I'm not really nearly as confident about next week, but I'm still throwing him out there for the most part. Let's go to the other side. The Bengals. Auden Tate here leaves with a knee injury, but it's all Joe Mixon. 23 carries, 146 yards, and a score on the ground, plus three catches for 40 yards in the air. Tyler Boyd, we just talked about. He chips in five for 75, plus one rushing attempt. For seven yards, you're starting Mixon and likely Boyd against the Pats and the Dolphins coming up, I assume. And other than that, you're avoiding all Bengals. Is that fair? Uh, against the Dolphins, yes. Against the Patriots, not necessarily. It just depends on who you're you're trying to debate them over. Because the Patriots, it's going to go back to the idea that like the Patriots were an elite defense, and we've seen them take a step back over the last couple of weeks. But once they go up against the Bengals, it's gonna it's gonna be like, oh oh, that's the Patriots team that was dominating on defense. Because Andy Dalton, he looked terrible today. Uh, he was a guy that was just holding onto the ball too long, taking sacks and and losing now losing seemingly Auden Tate. He's not going to have AJ Green. I know John Ross came back to the offense, but he's still working his way back in the Patriots have actually done really really well against slot receivers so I don't think it's a good matchup for Tyler Boyd either I don't think he's a must play at all but Mixon you're kind of starting at this point Uh, like they're giving him 20 plus touches no matter what is going on in the game so you kind of have to play him I wouldn't expect massive results against the Patriots but you definitely trot him out there well, I hope to get a lot of tweets coming into next Sunday when you ask me how my team with both Odell Beckham Jr. and Tyler Boyd is doing because I have a feeling it's not going to be very good. I play, I play Beckham over Boyd for that for what it's worth. No, no, Tex. <laughs> That's my number one and my number two wide receiver. We're not even going to talk about. But hey, I earned a buy because, you know, fantasy football. Who the heck knows? So, uh, all right. Before we get into the rest of the games, a reminder that we are on Instagram. Just look for us at Fantasy Pros where you can see all of our great content with our articles, some videos, all of that. Again, that's at Fantasy Pros on Instagram. All right, tags Bucks 38, Colts 35. Kind of a lot to unpack here for the Bucks. Let's start first with Jameis Winston before we get into Evans, who leaves with the hamstring injury. 
Winston has the huge game, 456 yards passing, four passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. He obviously throws three interceptions because that is Jameis Winston. Now, he has a very small fracture in his thumb. That caused him to leave the game briefly, but he apparently loosened up and was okay. It sounds as if right now, Tag said he's going to be okay next week against the Lions. So for the moment, let's just put a pin in that and instead talk about Evans, who scores a touchdown on a 61-yard catch, but he injured his hamstring during that. It does not sound good, Tex. He's all but ruled out already for next week. I would probably assume that he's out for Week 16, too. But for now, you're almost certainly looking at him out against the Lions. So you know you're starting Chris Godwin regardless. But this Evans injury makes someone like O.J. Howard, who had four catches for 73 yards, or Brashad Perryman, who had three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown somebody who you might want to think about starting in that matchup yeah OJ Howard is definitely someone that's on the radar uh like he's been playing a lot like a lot of snaps over the last couple weeks he's out of that doghouse he ends up uh, with four catches for 73 yards in this game he has too much talent to leave on the sidelines and if Mike Evans is out of the lineup that clears up like you know eight to 12 to 15 targets per game and Mike Evans is going to be out I this reminded me when I saw that I was actually watching that game live when it happened and and Mike Evans when it when it happened I just got the Adam Thielen feeling all over again where it was like he knew he heard it and he heard it really bad. Like it wasn't like a strain where he was just like limping off a little bit. Like he actually stopped and like was shaking his head. You could tell he was pissed and uh he's not playing. I, I honestly feel like you're without Mike Evans for the rest of the fantasy uh playoffs, which which really does stink. OJ Howard, the good news, I mean, while Darius Slay is good, he's he's a one-man guy. Like, he's he's someone they're going to trust in man coverage all over the field. So if you get Chris Godwin in man coverage, he can win those matchups. The biggest concern for me here is Jameis Winston because if Winston isn't okay and, like, he – because, you know, like, sometimes players, like, in the middle of a game, they might – feel like the adrenaline going and they're playing through it and all george kittle when he injured his ankle against the cardinals remember he was out he warmed up on the sidelines he came back he had a dominant game and then he missed the next couple of weeks right that's exactly right yep and knowing they have nothing to play for the bucks i mean you're talking about a potential contract extension for Jameis winston because he's pending free agent but if ryan griffin is the starter for them i mean I'm, I don't want to play like anybody. <laughs> now, out of curiosity, if Winston gets through practice and he's good to go going in, I mean, there's obviously a chance. You've got a, a small fracture in your thumb. You get hit the wrong way. You're out of there immediately. If he practices and he's good to go, I assume you're still starting him against the Lions, right? Even with that risk of re-injury. Yeah, probably. Um, it just depends on who I'm choosing over. Like if it's between him and someone like Ryan Tannehill, I, I like Tannehill a lot this week. And then like, just like looking forward to Houston. I mean, I don't think that's a matchup I'm really going to be concerned about. So, I mean, there's going to be some added risk for sure. And when it's, uh, we can't pretend that Winston didn't come with risks like to begin with. So it's something that I'm going to have to evaluate kind of as we get more practice reports. But, um, I would almost rather him sit out just so I didn't have to make that decision. Yeah, that's always the way I, I kind of feel again. But, you know, it, then every once in a while you have something like Dalvin Cook, who's like, no, I'm fine. And he comes in and he, he scores a touchdown and he plays normally. As for the Colts, Marlon Mack predictably cannot get anything going against the strong Bucks run defense, just 38 yards on the ground. But he does score his touchdown. Meanwhile, Zach Pascal. Uh, continues to do well, absent T.Y. Hilton, 74 yards and a score. Marcus Johnson also finds the end zone. Real disappointing day, though, for Jack Doyle. Six targets, two catches, 27 yards. They've got the Saints next week, then the Panthers. Let's assume T.Y. Hilton is down for the season tags. Who do you feel confident starting in this offense going forward? I guess Pascal, just because... I'm, I'm like adding all this stuff up in my head, right? Because Pascal was someone that we trusted earlier in the season because T.Y. Hilton was out and it was like, and he busted 
multiple times and we kind of like wrote him off. But now it's not just T.Y. Hilton. You know, we have Eric Ebron. We have Chester Rogers. Uh, obviously, Marlon Mack is somewhat limited in the passing game in terms of, you know, what he presented to begin with. And now with dealing with the hand injury, they don't want to give Naheem Hines a bigger role for whatever reason. So I guess you can trust Zach Pascal on a weekly basis. But you're still starting Marlon Mack, to be clear, right? I mean, I realize it's a tough matchup against the Saints, but I mean, assuming that he's healthy, you're still starting him each and every week, right? Yeah. In a PPR format, like Bobby and I had this conversation because I told him that Marlon Mack was an absolute disappointment this year. And uh, he's like, what do you mean? He's like uh, the, the RB 14. I'm like, he has not, he has been a disappointment. He's been like a low end RB two, high end RB three more often than not. So it's like, I don't want to sit here and say that he's like a smash play every single week because I, th- I think he's finished as an RB one twice all season. So it, I don't consider him an RB one. I consider him someone like maybe like a David Montgomery in that territory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's not an RB1. But yeah, I agree. Dave Montgomery is a guy who, look, I don't think you feel all that great about starting him each and every week, but he's a guy you're just like, well, I'm starting him because he gets the volume and he's going to do enough and he'll find the end zone on occasion. So yeah, I agree with you there. All right, let's move on to our next game. Broncos 38, Texans 24. Tags, I feel like there is a whole parallel universe out there where the Broncos are leading uh, the AFC West because they've. I feel like they've lost so many games close and they randomly come up with these monster performances, but it's a kind of a weird day here, Tex. I mean, you hear 38 points, you're like, great, Cortland Sutton went off, Philip Lindsay went off, but no, I mean, Lindsay totals 55 yards, and he does find the end zone, but Sutton just 5 for 34 through the air. Uh, Drew Locke's three touchdown passes go to Noah Fant, who goes for 113 yards on four catches, Jeff Hireman, who catches an eight-yard touchdown pass, and Royce Freeman, who barely is involved at this point, but he does catch the touchdown. Fant left with a foot injury here. X-rays were negative. They get the Chiefs next. With Drew Locke running things, who are you trusting in this offense going forward? Corlin Sutton someone I'm still trusting. I'm still trusting Philip Lindsay as well. Uh, the schedule upcoming, like Philip Lindsay could be a league winner uh, with the schedule they have upcoming. And um, like knowing that he's he's basically in like a 65-35 split now where they're giving him the majority of work. Uh, but those are the two that I would trust. Noah Fant, is, I mean, he only saw four targets in this game. It was really just terrible defense on the Texans' part. Again, he left with an injury, though, Tex. He was out for most of the game. That foot injury? Now, do we know like what's going on with that injury? All I saw are x-rays are negative. So, you know, he may play next week, but it's up in the air. But as for now, it doesn't appear serious. But foot injuries for pass catchers are terrible. Uh, and if he had to get x-rays, it, it tells me that it's not a great injury. So it's, it might be like a midfoot sprain or something like that. So I don't think I want to trust him as a streamer going forward. All right. On the other side of the ball, bad real life day for the Texans, but a good fantasy day. Uh, the game was over pretty early, but the Sean Watson throws for a touchdown. He runs for two more. Will Fuller out here, so DeAndre Hopkins sees 13 targets, catching seven of them for 120 yards and a score. Duke Johnson totals just 45 yards after that nice game last week. Carlos Hyde, 78 total yards, nothing too exciting. They're at the Titans next week, Tags. Are you starting anyone on this offense other than Watson and Hopkins? I don't think so. I, I mean, Carlos Hyde, I mean, it's it's a really good game for him considering but I, I don't know why the Texans, like, they tease us with Duke Johnson, and he played extremely well against the Patriots. I understand that that was the way to attack them, but Duke Johnson's the more explosive player. Like, why not give him more touches? It kind of blows my mind, and you kind of have to worry about that every week because Carlos Hyde is what he is, and he's a plotter. It, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not starting him with any confidence, I will say that. No, you should not be starting either one of them. You just can't. I mean, I get Carlos Hyde, but essentially he needs a touchdown to have any value. There's almost no chance. I mean, there was that one game, maybe against the Jaguars, where he had a big game and didn't wind up scoring a touchdown, but he had... He should have scored, but he got he had the ball knocked out right at the goal line. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly right. Um, But other than that, he really doesn't get it done there. So... 
in the end, I agree with you. Those are the only two guys. You know, if you're if you're forced to start Hyde in a league that's really deep and something like that, I could see it. But realistically, you want to avoid him. Jets 22, Dolphins 21. If you like field goals, you loved this game because there were 10 of them combined. No Le'Veon Bell for the Jets here tags. Bilal Powell gets 21 touches. He turns them into 88 yards. Not the worst game, not the best. Given the volume tags, are you starting Powell on Thursday against the Ravens if you assume Bell is out? I know it was a quote-unquote illness, but you know we've talked about them wanting to kind of maybe start shutting him down a little bit. So assuming that Bell is out, are you starting Powell against the Ravens on a short week on Thursday? No. No, not at all. I this this was a matter of I I actually had Paul ranked higher than most people did um this week because I mean what did what was there not to like about the matchup? Like they were going to get thirty plus touches uh, the running backs against them. So even if you considered it a fifty fifty timeshare, Bilal Paul was gonna get some work against a bad defense. So it made sense in this one, but the Ravens, nah, no, it doesn't make sense against them. That team is playing extremely well. Um, like they're, they're the team to fear right now. Uh, and Bilal Paul isn't heavily involved in the passing game. Uh, like he's splitting a lot of that work with Ty Montgomery. I, I do expect Le'Veon Bell to play in this game. And even Le'Veon Bell is going to be like a middling to low end RB2 for me. So I'm not, I would not be excited to play Bilal Paul. You may not be excited to play Bilal Powell, but are you excited to play Robbie Anderson, who had seven catches for 116 yards and a touchdown? It's playoff time, Tags. That means it's Robbie Anderson time. The last four games, one catch for six yards and a touchdown, four catches for 86 yards and a touchdown, seven catches for 101 yards, and now seven catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. Just the Ravens and the Steelers coming up. No big deal. Can you trust your playoff life to Robbie Anderson? That's the question, right? It's win or go home, and we've seen him like, like legitimately ruin your fantasy weeks uh, at times. And going over the last five weeks against the Ravens, the biggest games against them have been Robert Woods' line of six catches for 97 yards, no touchdown. He had nine targets. DeAndre Hopkins, seven catches for 80 yards, no touchdowns on 12 targets. So, you know, it's it's good that Robbie Anderson has seen double-digit targets in back-to-back weeks. It helps that Ryan Griffin seemingly is not going to play in this game. It helps that Le'Veon Bell may be taking a back seat. It helps that Jamison Crowder hasn't been playing very well. It helps that Demarius Thomas is like 90, still trying to move around the field. But it all comes back to the matchup against the Ravens, and I don't particularly like it. I mean, he's going to be in like that low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four territory due to the, the volume that he's seen the last couple weeks, but... I am not going to forget that this is an Adam Gase coach team and that it is still the New York Jets against one of the best defenses in all of football, the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens opponents. I want to say the Ravens on on the year, aren't they averaging like 57 plays per game? And then the Jets themselves average like, you know, 57, 58 plays per game. So we're looking at very minimal volume for this offense, which it just makes me all sorts of concern with Robbie Anderson. You tell me you're the Jets guy. Would you start Robbie Anderson? next week like with any confidence at all first of all do not call me the jets guy okay i it's not my fault i was born in queens and then i have to root for the team all right that does not make me the jets guy but probably not i mean you know what i who i feel bad for tags i feel bad for us because the number of questions that we are going to get this week about who do you start in that wide receiver three spot because you're going to have a guy like Robbie Anderson who's going to be in the mix with all these various guys and look in the end my guess I'm going to I'm going to I have not looked 
at my week 15 rankings. But my guess for Robbie Anderson is like 37. Like, that's what I guess. I'm going to be like, he's just outside wide receiver three range. I see a scenario where you start him, but he's not going to be. You mentioned with confidence. No, if I have to start Robbie Anderson, it's going to be with zero confidence. But I may still start him. You might. I mean, look, he's getting the targets now for the most part. You know, he showed a good chemistry last year with Sam Darnold. It's a terrible matchup. It is on Thursday, which makes me always kind of feel like, well, the defense is have a little less time to recover. The Ravens have played two kind of tough banging out games here in a row. So I could see it, but man, with confidence, absolutely not. He's going to be a borderline wide receiver three for me, and I'm going to feel really dirty if I have to go and start him. (laughs) That sounds fair. Yeah. For the Dolphins, uh, Devontae Parker uh, suffers a concussion here, which is really just stinks because he has been balling so hard lately. Albert Wilson also has a concussion. So, uh, you know, who knows what Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do next week if they're both out. But let's talk running backs here. Uh, Patrick Laird tags. I mean, a tough matchup for running back, the Jets. 15 for 48 on the ground. Not great, but obviously, you know, he gets the volume. Four catches for 38 yards. So you're looking at, you know, 86 total yards in a game. You know, he doesn't find the end zone, but that's not terrible. 19 touches now he's got the Giants and the Bengals that's a guy you probably start as a flex play right yeah I mean I I do want to hear what they have to say about Zach Zenner they did sign him Uh, I don't even know if he was active for this game or not but he didn't receive any touches so I'm guessing not Uh, maybe another week in practice helps him get some touches uh, because Zach Zenner is probably the best running back on this team and that's I know that's not saying much but uh, for now I think we have to kind of say Lair <laughs> I mean it's kind of like a Carlos Hyde type start where you don't necessarily feel great about it but you know that he's going to get touches and you know like you, you just don't want to leave yourself with a giant zero in your lineup and, and play someone that comes with a, a really extremely low floor but I don't feel great about it the giant they're playing the Giants next week and the Giants have been a team that uh, I think it's over ever since they got Leonard Williams last four weeks or something like that they've allowed sub like 2.6 yards per carry they've been really good on the ground so Laird's going to have to get it done through the air and if Devontae Parker's out and Albert Wilson are out for that game with concussions obviously it leads to more targets so yeah I I would be pressed to say that he'd be in the flex territory yes yeah especially in anything that gives you something for catches right a half PPR league a full PPR league because he is going to get involvement and that's really what differentiates him from a guy like Carlos Hyde is that you know he's going to be involved in the air that's going to, you know, certainly put him in the mix. So I'm inclined to agree with you. I could see a scenario where, you know, I'm, I'm putting him in a starting lineup. Is Alan Hearns a pickup, though? He might be. It is something where I want to see, you know, how how Parker goes and how Wilson goes. But the thing is, I'm not looking to tie myself to the Dolphins. Like, I'm not like, ooh, who can I go here? He's got, you know, Fitz has nobody to throw to. Who can I get involved there? He could be Hearns. He had a decent game today. Um, But it's probably, I mean, look, we will have all week to talk about which crappy guy can I throw <laughs> in my, you know, borderline wide receiver three start. For now, let's keep moving to the Ravens 24, Bills 17. Even when his counting stats are not significant, Lamar Jackson knows how to produce for fantasy. Just 145 yards passing, just 40 yards rushing. But he throws three touchdown passes. Uh, Mark Andrews leaves here with a contusion above his knee. This doesn't sound serious, but it is the short week, as we mentioned, with the Thursday game. So it would seem a little surprising if he's able to make it out there. Uh, Tags, you're obviously starting Jackson. You're starting Mark Ingram, who had 18 touches for 79 yards. And you're starting Mark Andrews if he plays. Is there anyone else on this team that you're starting? I mean, Hayden Hurst, you know, he... We got 73 yards and a touchdown here with Andrews down. Are you starting anybody else here uh, going forward on the offense? Marquise Brown is interesting. I know he's like over the last two weeks, he's actually has negative yardage, uh, but 
the matchups have been pretty brutal, uh, if I'm being honest. So I, I didn't expect much out of him in those games to begin with. But going against the Jets, you don't run the ball against them. On the year, they're allowing just 2.95 yards per carry. Uh, they've actually done a good job against uh, like quarterbacks, too, if you look at the, the yards that they've allowed per carry to running backs. Obviously, they haven't played Lamar Jackson, so that should change. Uh, but if they have to go to the air a little bit, Marquise Brown can beat Daryl Roberts. He can beat Bless Austin. You know, those are the cornerbacks that they're trotting out there. Jamal Adams uh, missed this game with... Uh, uh, an ankle sprain. I, I highly doubt that he's going to be ready to play on Thursday night. So yeah, Marquise Brown is someone that I'm probably going to put in that, uh, that wide receiver four territory is someone you can contemplate. All right. For the bills. Look, we've talked about Josh Allen and John Brown a whole lot with these tough matchups. They both finally disappoint here. Allen, just 146 yards with the touchdown. He has the lost fumble. Brown, just three catches for 26 yards. Devin Singletary, though, 23 touches, 118 total yards. Cole Beasley catches the short touchdown pass. They're at the Steelers, then the Patriots. Who are we starting in those matchups from the Bills? I was of the, I was telling people that I would I would have sold Josh Allen before the trade deadline. I we knew what his fantasy schedule was coming for the playoffs. Like it was there there was like not a worse schedule that you could draw up. Like if you were to create the nightmare scenario for Josh Allen, they did it. The NFL did it during the fantasy playoffs, and it really sucks too because he was playing extremely well, but he looked awful awful in this game uh he was continually under pressure which obviously didn't help but he he missed a lot of passes that he know he missed too like you could see him you know cursing himself out on the field he averaged 3.7 yards per attempt it was a brutal matchup look but but seeing him rush for nine yards that's the thing that you're that you're supposed to have safety with when it comes to josh allen you're supposed to be able to rely on him for a high floor he didn't even give you that today so it's really difficult for me to trust him and then john brown he gets eight targets, but but again, these matchups are just so tough. And if Josh Allen's going to be off, he hasn't put up impressive yardage totals lately. Tags. That's really the thing, right? He's he's been saving his days with he had the touchdown, then he had the passing touchdown, right, against uh, the Cowboys. So it's something where, yeah, I agree. I love Brown. I I hate to say you know he's getting the targets, but it is somebody at this point who I you know uh, it, depending on where you're at, you might have better options uh, going forward. We're going to keep going with the recaps here in a second, but it is the end of week 14 and you are still listening to our fantasy podcast. So hopefully that means that you found something that Bobby or Tags or I said useful this season. If so, it would be awesome if you took a minute and left us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Any feedback, positive or negative, is useful in us continuing to make this something you guys enjoy and out of which you can take value. We read them all, so if you haven't yet, it'd be awesome if you take a minute and just leave us your honest feedback with a review. Let's move on here to the Chargers 45 and the Jaguars 10. Look, Phillip Rivers finally gets benched for Tyrod Taylor, but only because he was so darn good. 314 yards, three touchdowns, one each to Austin Eckler. Mike Williams, who scores his first touchdown of the season, and Hunter Henry. Melvin Gordon gets in on the ground. They've got the Vikings and the Raiders on tap. The Jaguars defense might be the worst in football at this point. They've just totally quit. Any takeaways, though, in terms of what we can be thinking going forward with the offensive playmakers for the Chargers? Uh, yeah, kudos to Bobby for calling that. He said the Jags quit. I, I knew that they've really been struggling against the run, but even their secondary quit today. I mean, 330 yards passing on just 27 pass attempts. Woo! But I mean, I think we know who we're starting on the Chargers. We're st we're starting Gordon. We're starting Eckler every week. Uh, Keenan Allen, you keep plugging him away. He's seen the targets. Mike Williams, if he doesn't catch that one touchdown, it was like a 44-yard touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, that he caught in this one. If he doesn't catch that, like we're looking at a major bust. And ever since they fired Ken Wisenhunt, there's been, I think, three games where he has seen three targets or less. So that's like, definitely concerning with him, where he's not a must-play every single week. You kind of like, you, ha you have to look at scenarios where they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit in order for him to get those targets. 
targets because Hunter Henry's involved. Obviously, Eckler's involved, Keenan Allen. So there's just so many, there's only so many targets to go around. So if you have a, a matchup where you don't think the Chargers are going to be throwing the ball a whole lot, Mike Williams is kind of like in that wide receiver four territory. For the Jaguars, it's just ugly. All of it ugly. Gardner Minshew, 162 yards. He does throw one touchdown pass to Nick O'Leary. DJ Chark is your only receiver worth anything. He sees 10 targets, 9 catches for 75 yards. Leonard Fournette finally held in check. I mean, he does get 18 touches overall, but just 63 yards. Thoughts here on the Jaguars offense. I, I mean, they can, they kind of have these games every once in a while where they just totally get blown out, and then they, they, they go away from the run, and they promise you that they're going to come back, and they're going to run Fournette the next week. And, and they do, and they're going to, and uh, they have a good matchup next week. So they're playing Oakland, so they should be able to do that. Oakland's not blowing anybody out at this point. Josh Jacobs seems like he might be done for the year. So it should be a game for that I think I would trust DJ Chark in. I would trust Leonard Fournette. Uh, Gardner Minshew is actually going to be a streaming option, and you can get into the conversation, you know, is Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook, are those guys worth, like, flyers? If you're, like, like let's say you, you lost Mike Evans and you're looking for somebody off the waiver wire, Westbrook's probably owned, but Chris Conley, really disappointing. Three targets, it's really difficult to trust him coming off that because he was a guy that was seeing, like, basically seven targets in, over the last month, like seven targets per game. So uh, I'll have to look at this one a little bit more, but I, I think there's going to be some appeal in Week 15. All right, moving on here to the Titans, 42, Raiders, 21. We talked about Tannehill already. I mean, he continues to play extremely well, 21 for 27 for 391 yards and three touchdowns. He does throw a pick. He also rushes for 19 yards. It's nice that he chips that in a little bit. Derrick Henry had kind of the weird game where he had 18 carries, 103 yards, and two touchdowns, but he left with a hamstring injury. He came back. But, it, it, you know, it doesn't sound like it's something that's completely nothing, like just a cramp. So it is something that you guys want to monitor. But really, the bigger story here is A.J. Brown. Seven targets, five catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns, plus he gets a rushing attempt for 13 yards. You mentioned it. They have Houston on tap. Not a great secondary. Are you starting A.J. Brown in your fantasy playoffs? I think so. Uh, I mean, the guy, he's like a monster to bring down. Like, he's a big wide receiver. And it's kind of like reminiscent of like Anquan Bolden when he came into the league where it's just like you, you just see so many people bouncing off him and you're like okay he can't keep this up he can't keep breaking tackles and finishing this but he does it all the time it's gotten to the point now where I'm, I'm just going to stop doubting it because he keeps doing it every single week and against Houston it's a good matchup for wide receivers he's clearly taken over the number one role over Corey Davis and uh, him and Ryan Tannehill are I mean they're only building chemistry because you have to remember that they had they didn't have much reps together AJ Brown was dealing with a lot of injuries throughout the offseason Tannehill obviously wasn't starting to start the year they've kind of grown together in the offense right like AJ Brown's role has grown as Tannehill has become the starter I, I see no reason to doubt this duo going forward like do you a little bit I mean I, I I love Brown's talent and I love the way Ryan Tannehill is playing right now and he looks like he's their quarterback of the future there was a report you know today that they're looking to extend him and they're going to go forward with him which I see no reason why they shouldn't um I like Brown, but he's a little bit of a guy who I wouldn't be surprised even in a good matchup if he randomly throws up a complete dud. Now, to be fair, you can basically say that about every wide receiver who's ranked outside of the top 24. So I, I'm thinking when you're putting him up against a guy like Robbie Anderson. I was about to say. Yeah. First sight. That's exactly right. Of course you are, Tags. You and I are like right there. Um, you're. I'm going with Brown. That's a guy where I'm going to go with Brown in the matchup. Uh, I feel confident enough in him. I, he's so talented, Tags. I really, really like him. But I've felt like I've said the same thing about Corey Davis for a while. But this right now with the way he's playing, I'm not overly confident. I'm not like, yes, guaranteed. I'm putting him in. I'm going to feel great. I know I'm going to get a great thing. But yeah, at this point, when you're looking in that range, I think he's kind of the guy who's going to be a little bit at the top of it as opposed to a guy like Anderson. 
On the other side of the ball, it's not great. Obviously, you mentioned Jacobs. He was apparently playing with a fractured shoulder. He was a late scratch, so who knows if he plays at this point. It sounds like it would be in their best interest not to. Uh, DeAndre Washington gets the bulk of the carries, 14 of them. For 53 yards, he does find the end zone. Derek Carr throws for two touchdowns, but really nothing going on here on offense. Darren Waller does catch all six of his targets for 73 yards. Do you care about anybody on the Raiders going forward? Well, obviously, if Josh Jacobs is out, DeAndre Washington is the clear-cut guy that you go to, and uh, it's kind of like a Bilal Paul situation where you're not like really excited about it, but he's, he's perfectly fine. Uh, is like like Patrick Laird. I, I think DeAndre Washington is a guy that got an unfair shake in, in terms of like not getting the opportunity to run with a starting job. Uh, obviously, Josh Jacobs, that's his job, but DeAndre Washington could be playing himself into another contract because if I'm not mistaken, this is the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping for in his for his sake that he kind of gets another job somewhere and gets to be involved a little bit more because he's he was someone that people compared to Maurice Jones Drew. I remember coming into the league like he was a later round pick, but at the same time he was that that little bulky guy, but he could break some tackles. So he's someone I'd keep an eye on. Darren Waller, you're starting, but Tyrell Williams is the biggest disappointment for me in this game. Tyrell, like they were without a Dory Jackson, they were without Malcolm Butler. Like the, the Titans secondary was really struggling, like in terms of like to get bodies on the field and. To know that he can't get more than four targets or catch more than three balls for 35 yards in this matchup, ew. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you could ever play him with confidence. Yeah, we're going to make it a Robbie Anderson line, and we're going to say Tyrell Williams falls below the Robbie Anderson line. That's how we're going to define it at this point going forward. Yeah, I agree. He's not somebody who you really want to be considering going forward. Chiefs 23, Patriots 16. I mean, the Chiefs win. They play well. But if you own any Chiefs playmaker, basically, you're not all that happy right now. Not a not a great game fantasy-wise. Mahomes throws for 283 yards, just one touchdown to Michael Hartman, who has 48-yard touchdown reception. That's his only target and catch of the game. On the ground, it's LaShawn McCoy seeing 11 carries for 39 yards, but really nothing going on there. Travis Kelsey is your leading receiver with 66 yards, and he lost a fumble. Tyree Kill, 62 yards. Sammy Watkins, 50 yards. It's a tough matchup. So any takeaways here from the Chiefs side of the ball? What the heck is going on with the, with the Chiefs running game? Like, how did we go from Andy Reid continually produces RB1 must-start studs every single week, even if it's a timeshare? So what? Like, it, that, that's supposed to hurt fantasy owners, but it should still be successful. I don't know what the hell happened to the Chiefs run game. Like, LaShawn McCoy, I mean, there's only, by the way, only Damian Williams has seen more than 13 touches in a game this year among that Kansas City backfield with all the injuries that have taken place. So it's clear this is going to be a timeshare no matter what. But before it was like, we have to find the must start. We have to find the guy that's going to get the most touches. And now I don't even know if we have to. No, I, wait, unless Damian Williams is in, I don't think you want any part of this backfield. I mean, look, Spencer Ware, who looks like he's running in mud, <laughs> got five carries for 11 yards. Like they're just, they're not going to give McCoy the workload at this point to make him a guy who you can start. And so really the only one you want, assuming that he's fully healthy and not going to get injured, I would still go with Williams at this point. But other than that, I think you're totally avoiding at this point. And again, they were playing with the lead for the most part here. So you thought that they would be able to really kind of do well with the run, but they weren't. On the other side of the ball, it's just not pretty tags. After the game, Tom Brady had a giant wrap on his throwing elbow. So maybe it really is something that's bothering him. Just 169 yards with one touchdown to Julian Edelman, who does, you know, see 12 targets, eight catches for 95 yards. We talked about it a bit on the ground. Nothing doing. Michelle, five carries for eight yards. James White and Rex Burkhead 
also see some stuff. But other than that, nobody doing anything on the ground. I mean, and they're just not playing well. Jacoby, they're too raw. You know, Jacoby Myers just not bringing in the ball when he needs to. Nothing's going on. Tags, what are you doing with the offensive players from the Pats at this point? If you play Julian Edelman every week, I mean, that's that's a given. Uh, he's the one guy that I think you could rely on consistently. Uh, James White has offered some consistency, particularly in PPR formats. But outside of that, I don't think anybody else is a must-play. Uh, I don't. Sanu obviously is off the radar. I don't know if it's that ankle injury that's bothering him. Jacoby Myers is getting more snaps. But Tom Brady has been not good. I don't know if it's the elbow, man. Like, and it, it, it sucks. It's. I remember having the conversation about Peyton Manning when they were in the Super Bowl, and like just watching someone that we've watched for so long be so dominant, and then like get to a point where you wonder, like, I know people are going to take this the wrong way, but are they getting to the point where Tom Brady's not the best thing for the team? And you know, like, if you've watched him over the last two months, you know what I'm talking about. And and by the way, Patriots fans who booed him on the field today that booed the Patriots. Like, you guys can just, like, seriously, do you guys should find another hobby, basically. Like, you should not like football anymore because if you're booing that team that has won as many Super Bowls as they have, I don't think you guys are going to like what the future looks like. Uh, like, you guys should be appreciating this entire thing. Like, it's almost like you're spoiled, as I was as a Bulls fan when I was younger. Uh, but I, but I knew, I knew what I was losing when I lost it and I would never boo the Jordan Bulls. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Sony Michelle, as I mentioned, I mean, going against the, the Bengals next week or whatever it is and, I don't even know if you could play him there, but it's it's truly an Edelman tax. That's you you said it. It's truly an Edelman. It's it's crazy. That is the only guy who you can start. I know, I know, but that's what it is right now for whatever reason. Whether or not it's Brady playing, I mean, to be fair, look, the guys, the receivers he's throwing the ball to are pretty terrible right now. I mean, you know, they they have some talent, they can do something, but right now they're you know the kids are too raw they're dropping wells they're probably running the wrong routes he doesn't have much time to throw the ball at this point the offensive line is getting pushed around a little bit and he's 42 or however old he is like eventually there's going to be a little bit of slippage so for me look it's Edelman and look I watched I couldn't hear anything in the game because my son was pretty much crying throughout it because he loves the Patriots so much um but if there was booing I I don't even know what to say to that come be a Jets fan for a day and I would have cheered the effort that you saw today as one of the best games that my team had ever played let's move on to our final game here Steelers 23 Cardinals 17 uh Duck Hodges just 152 yards he does throw the touchdown who you mentioned to Deontay Johnson who has six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown James Washington after a few big games kind of comes back down to earth does catch all four of his targets but just 33 yards. Uh, Benny Snell, 16 carries for 41 yards, but he loses the fumble. Hopefully James Conner is on his way back. So who do you want to start here from the Steelers going forward, if anyone? There's too much uncertainty. And I remember going back a few, like uh, over a month ago where it was like James Washington was a guy that was on waiver wires. Deontay Johnson was the guy that you you kind of thought about starting over Juju Smith-Schuster. And then Juju was coming back. And, oh, now you want to start Juju. And then it was James Washington. It is never ending. It's a circus. And it's the same thing with the the run game, right? Benny Snell is a guy that he got it done, he got it done in some good matchups against some bad opponents. Now you're seeing Jalen Samuels getting mixed in with seven carries. He continues to be terrible uh, when running the ball. Kareth White getting carries. James Conner might come back. I don't want to tie myself to any. It's it's almost like the Jets, right? Where you feel like there's probably going to be someone on the team, especially in the wide receiver core, that's going to do something. But you don't want to bank on it. Like when we're in like winner go home time in fantasy playoffs. I don't think you could trust them. I, I wouldn't want to trust any of them. 
Yeah, so I was kind of buying into the whole duck hunting thing for a little bit. But yeah, at this point, you know, if you can't do it against the Cardinals, it's just something where I don't really love it at all. Uh, you know, kudos to them for sticking in the playoff race at this point, um, despite having very little offensively. But if I really want to tie the rest of my uh, playoff lives to them, I really would try to avoid it. On the other side of the ball, we have a David Johnson sighting. I mean, it's only five touches, but he does score a touchdown uh, on a catch. Uh, totals 34 yards, receiving 19 yards rushing. Kenyon Drake still leads the way, 11 carries for 37 yards, plus three catches for 30 yards. Uh, Kyler Murray, not great. He, three uh, interceptions. He does throw two touchdown passes, though, and Christian Kirk kind of gets back on track. Nine targets, eight catches, 85 yards. Any takeaways here on the Cardinal side of the ball? Uh, Christian Kirk overcame a tough matchup. Obviously, we know the targets are there, which which is keeping him in wide receiver three territory, uh, even if he, he's been relatively inefficient. But uh, as for the running backs, you're starting to lose faith in everything because Kenyon Drake, while he did lead the team in touches, like the snap counts were 38, Drake 21, David Johnson 11 for Chase Edmonds. So they're involving all three running backs. And for a team that's struggling to run the ball to begin with, it's like you're starting to piece match this and and you don't, you really don't feel great about any of these guys so unfortunately i mean we could be getting to the point where it's like okay do we choose patrick laird or do we choose Kenyon drake and that's unfortunately the territory it seems like we're getting to i think we probably choose patrick laird i just want to be all in on patrick <laughs> laird for one week of my life but we can talk about that this week and of course recap it on sunday show but that is going to do it for today's show, thanks again to our sponsor, Manscaped. Remember, you need to look at everywhere, and you can, with Manscaped's Perfect Package 2.0, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping when you use our code FANTASYPROS over at manscaped.com. And thanks to Away for making me and Tags basically booking a trip just to be able to use our new suitcases. Remember, go to awaytravel.com slash fantasypros to learn more and order by the end of the day on December 15th to get free ground shipping with guaranteed free delivery by December 20th. Enjoy your Monday night football, everybody. Bobby and Tags are going to be with you for the rest of the week to get you through to week 15. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.